0: Thank you so much for joining us on Other People's Shoes today. As you know, I'm your host, Neil Matthews. Before we get into today's episode, I want to invite you into a little bit of a celebration that we're doing behind the scenes that we're now making public. We have officially crossed an important threshold. That threshold is our show has now been downloaded over 10,000 times. Thank you so much, you the listener, you that have supported us All this last year and a half and we are super excited and to celebrate, we are going to give away a pair of shoes. That's right. You heard me correctly. If you go to our website right now, www.opspodcast.com, you're going to see on our show logo right when you, you come to that page. It looks like there might be a pair of Vans, perhaps. And so we want to celebrate that with you. And so we're going to give you a chance to win a brand new pair of Vans, whether you're a guy, whether you're a girl, it doesn't matter. We will buy you a brand new pair of Vans. And all you have to do is two things to enter into this contest. The first thing we want you to do is on our site, you'll notice a little tab called connect. If you click on that, There's a little drop-down that will come that you just put in your email address, your name, and in the message box, we want you to put 10,000. That's all you have to do to enter there. Second place you can enter while you're on our site still, there's a little thing called Rank the Show. And if you click on that tab, it'll take you to a place called Rank on Podchaser. Right there, you just click on that link. It'll take you right to Podchaser, and you can leave us a review by entering in some basic information on Podchaser and you leave that review there, we'll see it there and you get a second entry. And at the end of October, we will put everybody's name into a drawing and we will pick a lucky winner. So go do that right now. If you're interested, please stay tuned for the show because here we go. Hey, come take a walk with me. Not like you to do. Something different. Welcome into Other People's Shoes. As you know, I'm your host, Neil Matthews. Uh, hopefully, you are ready and geared up for what may be a very exciting, not only finish to October, but of course, you know what's on the horizon. I think we're finally done with it, maybe? What am I referring to? Well, I'm referring to the election. And so it's not very often we get political on this show. It's never been my aspiration to have a political podcast, but I do think... As a citizen of this nation, and as, a, as my father has defended this nation, I do believe we need to be educated citizens. Whether you're on the right, whether you're on the left, it does not matter today. Today we're going to be talking about that political atmosphere that we've all been kind of experiencing so join me on that journey today. Help me welcome in. He is a best-selling author. In fact, he recently released a book, which I'm kind of excited about just by the title alone. By the way, political homelessness, Christian. All right, how to uh, how to conquer the political ideology, reject the polarization and reconnect with God's greatest two commandments. He's also the host of Fertile Soil, a podcast, so go listen to that right now if you're interested in, in listening more about that. We, of course, will link that on our show notes. He also is a blogger. He's a husband. He's a father of four. Help me welcome in my guest, Aaron. Aaron, how are you today?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me.
0: Good. I hope I gave you a good welcome, right? I mean, uh, yeah, you know,
1: hopefully. Absolutely. Was, it's it like it, so. Was it like yeah. a red carpet? Was it like a red carpet debut?
0: Okay, good. We we did roll out the red carpet. I got the vacuum out. The uh, what, what do we have? The Dyson Animal now? I think my wife just picked up at Costco. So uh, there's a shout out to, to Dyson. Hope we so. got
1: the extended warranty and everything. And that way, if it breaks, you're able to take it back. I and, hope so.
0: I mean, it's Costco. It doesn't matter, right? <laughs> I've seen that return line. Sometimes people are bringing back watermelon. This wasn't sweet enough, Costco. I'm going to need a new yeah, one, right? Yeah, it's like, really? Exactly. Come on, stop it. Anyway, uh, I'm excited about your book. And I know you're probably more excited about your book because it's your book. And it's it's your first book too, right? Isn't it?
1: It is. It is. Yeah, I've been thinking about writing a book for a long time. But this is the, this is the first one. And it's still in its infancy. It's not been out that long. So it's still feeling a little bit surreal.
0: It's your book, baby. I've heard people say new authors we've had on have, have of course, uh, referred to their books as babies. So I always say book babies. So, guys, if you're interested in knowing more about his book and, and learning more about his book, we, of course, have put it under our website under Books We Love. Check that out right now at opspodcast.com. You'll see a drop down link, Books We Love. You'll see his book right there uh, towards the top. We put them towards the top. That's how important this is to us and to him. So we put it towards the top. Take a look at that. Again, under our website, OPSpodcast.com, Books We Love, and you'll see it right there. And you can click on it and, of course, get yourself a copy today because I'm sure you're going to want to after we dig into this, this subject matter that we're talking about today. But before we get to all that... We, of course, got to answer the most important question of all time. Aaron, I know you're probably going to be on a number of shows as you, you know, share this book and, and get it out there and, and get it into people's hands. But nobody, I guarantee nobody's going to ask you this most important question of all time. Are you ready? I'm, I'm ready. All right. Aaron, what size shoes do you wear?
1: Oh, man. Well, I'm, I'm six foot six. And so you might not be able to tell if you're watching this on the, on the video. But uh, yeah, I'm six foot six. So I actually wear... Uh, 12, normally sometimes 13, depending on the brand. So yeah.
0: Well, that's going to be my next question is what brand or style do you like to wear the most?
1: Oh, I am, uh, I, I'm dad of four. So I I always go with the least trendy, the least fashionable possible. My, all, all of my colleagues make fun of me and, uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) there might be a little bit of that coming fourth warning.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a combination. Usually I'm just wearing these like plain white, you know, although it's, if I'm, if I'm going for a run, then it's usually new balance.
0: And now we're in Aaron's shoes. Okay. What is it with people in new balance?
1: I know. I I'm know. I'm telling
0: you what new balance is ever going to hear my show. And they're like, we are never ever giving your show any form of love from new balance. If you see behind me on our wall here, uh, for those that, uh, that aren't watching the video, cause we haven't done videos yet. Don't worry. They may be coming in the next year. Hold your horses, uh, audience. But, but I have some, a pair of vans, uh, Hanging on my wall there. And we're actually giving a a, a brand new pair of Vans out this month. So just a little plug for our our giveaway. So if you haven't entered in that yet, you're running out of time because we are going to be giving away a brand new pair of Vans. So, Aaron, if you're interested, we could get you some cool shoes. You just have to, of course, go to OPSpodcast.com, fill out our little entry form, and you are entered or rate us on iTunes or uh, Podchaser there as well. So now that I've gotten all the show business, see what I did there? out of the way, uh, Aaron, you brought to us this event that, uh, that is actually pretty recent. And this event is June 26th, 2020. And I want you to kind of think about that for a second, because that, that's the day for you that really kind of started to change things. Some dominoes started to kind of fall for you, right? Are we accurate in that?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: But before we get to that, where are you from? And, and, and if we were to go out and visit you... Where would you take us? Like, where's the best part about town, the town that you're in and and, and why, where would you take us if we came for a visit?
1: Oh, man. Uh, So, well, I live in Okemos, Michigan, so just east of East Lansing, and I was born and raised in the Greater Lansing area, went to Michigan State for undergrad and grad school. And so, yeah, if you were coming to visit, depending on the time of year, probably take you to uh, possibly a Michigan State basketball game, go see... uh, Go see Tom Izzo. I see all of, I know everyone can't see your background, but see the North Carolina paraphernalia all over the wall. So I'm still bitter about virtually every time that your team has beaten us in every major game in the last uh, 20 years. So probably, uh, probably a basketball game, maybe a, a Spartan football game. Uh, that would be towards the top of the list for sure.
0: So, you know, I know this is really your day and this is where, you know, your event, but you brought that up. I didn't. You brought that up, but uh, but I just want to remind you of your uh, another date before we get to your date again, June twenty sixth, twenty twenty. But do you remember what happened on April sixth, two thousand and nine? Do do you remember that date at all?
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> painfully. <laughs>
0: okay, I, I just wonder because it happened kind of in your backyard too. I mean, didn't it happen in, like it Detroit, Michigan area? I mean, do you do you know that uh, date brutal. by chance?
1: Brutal, brutal, right. brutal, brutal. So
0: for those that don't know, I'm referring to um. I'm referring to an 89-72 beatdown of North Carolina beating Michigan State. By the way, Ty Lawson had 21 points in that game. So just we'll just let that sit on the table. And we're going to look I, out for the joy that I was feeling that night.
1: I know, I know. This is uh, <laughs> gonna be the shortest podcast you've ever. You know, I'm just gonna hang up now and be like, man, I had uh, had the guests lined up and then they bolted after right. after talking about 17 point loss. But uh, it's my fault. Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to. You brought up Sparty. I had to. So uh, I, first I, I off, shout to out to my North Craig. Carolina, my buddy yep. Craig Nielsen he's a, he's a Sparty too so that was more for him and for you so it was like a double whammy but anyway let's get back to you so june june 26 2020 what what's the domino effect that that we're referring to and the 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 series of events that then leads to where we are now
1: yeah no absolutely well i I was actually writing in a completely different book um, at that time. And so I've been about through probably a quarter of the way into writing a book that was uh, parenting focused, still through a Christian lens, still a faith based parenting book. And it was something I've been excited to write for a long time. And I had been having this, been a buildup up up until that date. You know, over the last really several years, it's been so heartbreaking to see just the deep, deep, deep levels of polarization in our country. And I think what's been the most heartbreaking for me over that time period is the role that I've watched Christians play in it. And to see to see us not leading with love and grace for others that might not, you know view politics the same way we do, and you know, not keeping that that bringing the love of Christ to people as our first and foremost uh, goal and, and priority as Christians. But seemingly that our political affiliation was, was starting to take precedent over that. That had been something that had been welling up in me over the last three, three and a half years, and just it had been kind of reaching a bit of a, a tipping point. And I think everyone started to feel that over the summer. I don't think I'm alone in feeling that sort of, you know, that volcano that was starting to erupt a bit, you know, and as the pressure was building. And I was having a conversation on that 26th with someone that is someone that I know has a really good heart and just a really, really, really good heart. And hearing certain actions, certain words being defended and not like vigorously defended, but just you know, kind of brushed aside. Um, it made me realize like just how deep that identity piece really runs for so many people that whether, whether you're uh, identify yourself as a, a Democrat and, and or you identify yourself as a Republican, it really struck me on that day during that conversation as we were driving um, together to pick up lunch that this, this is something that we've gotten so far into our own echo chambers and so far into our own corners that as Christians, we've done one of two things typically what I found is over these conversations over the last three or so years is people have fallen into one or two categories. Either they have picked their side and they will be defending that side to the death. You know, it doesn't matter what anyone does, any politician that does anything, like regardless of how reprehensible it might be, I will be defending my side to the death. Or there's been a huge part of us as Christians that have become um, disengaged, where we just say, I hate politics. I can't stand it. It's gross on both sides and so i'm just going to completely withdraw and at that point i was like man there's so many things that i want to say in this conversation that i don't feel fully equipped to say and and i feel like it, we would need 3 hours and we only have 30 minutes and then the the genesis for the book happened and that was when i started to think like man i feel like i really i think i want to just put like everything that god's has in my heart right now into a book and and that's that that sense that so many of us have right now because there's also that big chunk in the middle and I think those are a lot of times the folks that disengage It there's so many folks in the middle that say, man, I, I, I may be slightly more lean in one direction or the other, but I, don't, I, I do feel politically homeless. I feel like I am like just and that was that was the genesis of the title of the politically homeless Christian, because I think there's so many people that feel that intense pull right now. And so, but that was the first, that was the first starting point on that, on that June 26th with that discussion with a friend. And then it really built and built and built over the next couple of weeks and culminating in, I made the decision over the 4th of July weekend to truly dive in and do it Uh, because it's a big brain of books, a pretty big undertaking. And I really wanted to make sure it got out before the election. So the thought of going from nothing on paper yet to like the full draft, edited, produced, published and launched in a matter of just a couple months, you know, so it was really from the first day I started writing to when it was launched was was only two months. So it was an absolute sprint. And having four kids at home during COVID. um, It's been a busy, it's been a busy, busy season getting the book launched. But um, during that week and a half, there were so many conversations with my kids, so many conversations with neighbors and friends. that just continued to reinforce the fact that there's so many people feeling this way. And I I would love to put a message out there that could potentially help.
0: No, first off, I love that. I love the title. Because if I'm going to be, if I'm going to be candid, I think for years now, um, I have felt very homeless in a in a sense. Because, you know, even though I'm an evangel- evangelical Christian, by definition, disciple of Jesus, I, I call myself more than anything else. And and honestly, I know this is going to sound foreign to to some that may listen to this, but I really don't like the word Christian. It only mm. appears three times in Scripture. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. The, the word disciple, though, however, uh, I don't know what the number is, but it appears way more times than three. We'll just leave it at that. And Absolutely. so from that standpoint, I really struggle with, again, I struggle with that word Christian from that standpoint. Plus, I think the word has been used and abused and manipulated, right? So there's where I'm coming from. There's my perspective on it. But again, this isn't my perspective. This is yours. But I do want to say, I think, and and help us with this, but I think if people really could... Understand grace better for others. I, I think it could help our world maybe get a little bit better if that can happen. Oh. What, what do you think on that?
1: Oh, 100%. 100%. It is. And you know, the funny thing about it, Neil, is that the first title of my book, I actually switched the title. And so the first title of my book was actually going to be Grace Filled Politics. And that was actually going to be the title of it. And And at the time I was like, that's a, that's a pretty good title. (laughs) But the more I thought about it, I was like, I feel like it's a seven out of 10 where if you came across that title, you wouldn't exactly know what it's about. You wouldn't necessarily uh, in the same way, like the politically homeless Christian, I think speaks to folks in a little bit more of a visceral way. And um, but that's, that's what the book's about is how do we bring grace into our politics? How do we actually seek to understand before being understood? Like how can we actually look for honestly the best solutions to some very real problems i mean our our world's facing a lot of extremely challenging circumstances right now and i think what's happened is we've convoluted our political affiliation with our actual personal identity and so it's funny when you were making fun of michigan state spartans at the beginning it's so analogous to the way we actually follow politics now is that politics has stopped being about hey i want to i want to elect representative who i feel like is going to go to washington on our behalf that is going to work in a bipartisan fashion work across the aisle brainstorm ideas and try to come up with real world solutions to complicated issues and we started to follow it as just the horse race it's just become a sport where i i don't care as much about whether or not my side wins i just really want your side to lose and that's been so ever present over these last several years where I'll see it on both sides. I mean, you jump on Facebook and goodness gracious, I can't remember the last time I saw a positive article where someone said, man, this is a really good proposal from my democratic member of Senate, or you know, this is, this is a really great proposal from my Republican Congressman. It's usually always the negative. It's what's wrong with the other side. And, and that's really the, the, the center of the book is how do we take away identity from politics? How do we make sure that we're not treating it like a Tar Heel fan and a Spartan fan, where, you know, I just so much of my identity is tied up in winning and losing. And it shouldn't be like that in politics. Because, you know, if we allow politics to be a sport, and we so desperately want the other side to lose, then it comes down to the best ideas are not going to bubble the surface, we're not going to allow ourselves to actually be open minded to the fact that, hey, is it possible if I'm conservative that on the other side of the aisle is actually an idea that's a little bit better to conquer this issue or vice versa. If I'm liberal and all of a sudden a conservative comes with, with a potential piece of legislation that could actually help, if I am so dead set on, I can't I can't take the L, I can't take the loss in the loss column, therefore I'm gonna fight against it because it was not my idea. And I think that's the place we've gotten to as a country. And that starts with us taking a step back and saying, I, I no longer want to be a Republican or a Democrat. I wanna first be a, a follower of Jesus and if my identity is firmly rooted there, now I can, I can step out of that horse race, I can step out of that arena and actually ask, is this person I'm considering voting for someone that I can put my name next to? Is this someone that I can actually stand behind and say, you know what, I think that they're gonna bring a level of, of intentionality to the political process. They're gonna bring a level of humility and intellectual curiosity to, to, to search for those best ideas, uh, regardless of who brings them there. And so for me, that is why over the last several years, I have prioritized character in politicians over specific platform issues, because ultimately what it comes down to is half the stuff that they talk about changing during the election cycle doesn't get implemented anyway. And I would always rather vote for the person that I feel like has the personal characteristics and integrity and humility and that willingness to work across the aisle, because I think that's where the magic happens. And right now we've just lost a lot of that because of the deep polarization, uh, because of that horse race, because of that sports arena mindset that we have towards politics today.
0: So a friend of mine, uh, give credit where credit's due, a friend of mine named Sean McCoy, uh, fellow podcaster, not only a friend of mine, but a friend of the show, fan of the show, um, asked me one time, he said, now, for those that are not basketball fans, this, this might get lost on you, but I don't think it'll get lost on, on you, uh, Aaron. But he said, "Hey, if Coach K came out with a new way of running an offense or a new way of defending, you know, on the defensive end, that was revolutionary. Could you hear him out?" As- he <laughs> asking me that question, right? And and you see the banners behind. You see the, yeah. the jersey. You know. By the way, if I turn even more, you could you know you could see the warm up jumper. I mean, it's it's really awesome in here. For me, You would probably <laughs> feel not at home. You'd be homeless here, but in the studio. But I say that because my immediate response to him was no, absolutely not. I can't hear anything. Coach K has to say nothing. That man has no- nothing to say in my opinion, nothing of value. And yeah. He said, are you serious? And I, and I said, Sean, I'm, I'm dead serious. Yes, I'm dead serious. Now that's a basketball coach. That's yep. not a that's not a person. That's not a man, woman, you know, whoever running our country, making policies, making legislation, you know, helping maybe feed homeless kids or, or finding money to help feed inner city kids or shoe other, you know, inner city kids or, you know, get money back into schools or whatever it may be. That's a basketball coach. Yeah. And he said, you really can't. I said, no. And he said, and you're what's wrong with our country i mean he might not have said that i might have added that part in but like, that i think he was thinking client, that right? i think he was thinking that but
1: <laughs> you could see it in his eyes
0: yeah on a facetime but but i see that because i i parallel that to say do you think that that's where we are right now is is that where you have been if 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 i can maybe now make it a you statement or an i statement for you is that where you have been with some political figures as well like I can't. I can't hear anything they have to say anymore because there's no value in what they're saying.
1: You know, I think that that was. I think that going back to leading up to the election of 100 percent. That was my perspective towards politics. Is I had the party that I voted for. I was a hundred percent, and and in you know, in full transparency, people can take this for what it is. They're listening to. I was a pretty staunch, either independent, where I would vote libertarian. Or Republican, one or the other. That was that was kind of how I voted all the way up until two thousand eight. Two thousand eight, I still voted independent. Still, still uh, voted that way. But I started to realize back then, so twelve years ago, that a lot of the political opinions that I held, and the 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 fierceness with with which I did hold them, where it was like, no, if this idea comes from the other side, I'm not I'm not interested in hearing it because they're clearly wrong. It doesn't matter what the opinion is. Um, I started to realize that a lot of them were simply opinions that i had always held for no other reason than i'd always held them it was just this is what i believed growing up this was and therefore i sought out content that confirmed my existing worldview i read articles that made me feel better about my position that didn't challenge them and it was a pretty cool moment leading up to that election in 2008 where it was the first time i'd ever like split ticket voting Um, you know, still voted independent at the top of the ticket. But I started to actually ask myself, do I actually believe what I think I believe? And it's one of the things I I go through in the book with folks is I took probably 15 to 20 of the most hot button topics. And this was just for me. This wasn't for anyone else. And I would just say, you know what? All right, let's let's think about healthcare, let's think about gun control, let's think about immigration, let's think about some of these hot button issues. And I want to actually ask myself, what do I really believe on that? And, and 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 with some depth, like with some not just like one question, but like going deep on it. You know, I always like to have this. It's it's fun for me talking to friends about these types of issues. You know, so like think about gun control as an example. I would say that no one in this country believes that every single person should be able to have a nuclear weapon. I don't think anyone in the country would say the second amendment clearly states that we have the right to bear arms and if the government can have nuclear weapons like part of the reason why we have the right to bear arms is in case we need to rise up against a tyrannical government and so if they've got nukes we deserve to have nukes i don't think that would be anyone's position i've never heard someone defend nuclear weapons in the hands of people as part of a second amendment right it's also extremely rare there's probably some people out there that would completely outlaw guns but that's that's like very very fringe and there's I don't a, think very to hold that. Yeah, there's
0: a guy in Iowa right now that's probably freaking out, going, "Yeah, I deserve that. <laughs> I, yeah, don't why, I don't know why I don't know why I picked Iowa. Right now. It's a you know, it's a yeah. Big Ten school, but that's probably why I picked Iowa. Anyway, I just wanted to chime yeah. in on that because I, I was <laughs> laughing off off Mike. I'm like, I love that thought process. Never thought about it that that way before. That's a that's a great thought. Anyway, continue, please.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. So so we all we all embrace that there is nuance. Like there is there's somewhere in between is the truth, and so actually asking yourself that question of okay so right now the line in our country is essentially um you know automatic rifle like that's usually like you think about that is that's typically yeah, where ar-15
0: we right is that where we're yeah. talking about
1: yeah and so we're okay. usually somewhere in that range is where the fight happens and i don't think very many people actually stop and ask themselves how do i truly feel about whether or not that's a necessary or a right, and why do I feel that way? And what depth? And I'm not saying that one side is right or the other. It's just very rarely do we stop and ask ourselves that, and then ask the follow-up question of, "Well, okay, so let's say I believe that they should be legal. Do I think there should be a more robust permitting process? If I'm going to have a, if I'm going to have a weapon that's right at the top of the level that we think should be allowed to be had by a, a, a normal citizen, should there be an extra permit? Should there be extra training required? Should there be? Like a lot of times we don't we don't ask these questions with a lot of depth. We simply say, I believe in second amendment rights and therefore you can't take away my guns. Or we simply say guns are causing a mass number of shootings in our country and we need to figure it out. And what happens is in the midst of that fight we lose the nuance. And so we end up seeing red and defending our position to the death instead of actually saying, let's go deep. Like let's actually talk realistically about uh, about these topics in a more robust way. And that was something that I did just for myself. I, I journaled like crazy for several weeks leading up the election, and I'll tell you what, Neil, it was it was pretty wild for me. I would say about thirty to forty percent of my positions that I had previously held pretty staunchly, either changed completely or at least had a certain degree of nuance added. Where I was like, you know, what, I still feel like I felt, but I don't feel it as strongly, and I do think there is more depth to that issue than I originally would have admitted. And I think that that's a healthy thing for everyone to do coming up this, this current election is why do I believe what I believe? And do I actually believe it to the depth that I thought previously? Uh, Because a lot of times we just get caught up in that mindset of always believing what we've always believed, and then seeking out information to confirm that existing worldview.
0: Totally agree on that. And, and I think, I think that's been my challenge too. And it sounds like that's been your challenge, right? Is this idea of I've always believed this. And then you find stuff that supports that belief, right? We don't ever no. really stop and say, hold on, time out on the floor. What is it really like to be? And, I, and I'm being flippant here on purpose, but what is it like to be a Michigan State fan? What was it like <laughs> back in 2009, right? What was the heartache that you guys went through? You guys had a good season, right? And then you just ran into this amazing dynamic North Carolina team. But I, <laughs> I, I'm using that again, just as a, as a weak parallel, but I think it's true. Right. But I also know this, like I recently watched uh, a documentary called, uh, Oh, I'm going to mess it up now. Uh, social dilemma. Mm, It 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 was a documentary about Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, how social media is affecting us. And they had some big wigs from Facebook, big wigs from Google. I mean, these are programmer guys, uh, Uber, all those, all those people that we use these platforms for and, and explains to us why and how they work and how they kind of keep us on the page and do things like that. Honestly, after that, I like was wanting to delete every social media account I have for the show for personally. I mean it it's a fantastic documentary. I'm not getting paid to say that. I, I don't want people to be like, oh, you get you got a sponsor finally. No, promise I'm not. But I say that because I wonder about social media. You talk about always finding people that agree with you and you're like, well, that's just what I believe because I have Bill over here that's confirming that or I have Susie over here that's confirming that. I don't know which side Bill and Susie are on. They're fictitious people. But do you think social media has a role to play in not only in your life, but in the life of this political cycle? What, oh, what do you think gosh. on that?
1: Absolutely. And I, I think that there are the two factors is it's the cable news in general on both sides. But much, much, much more profound is the social media piece, because right now when you see the amount of people that that's where they go for their sole source of news is Facebook and Twitter and the algorithms quite literally say, what do you like? What do you not? I'm going to show you more of things that you either like or things that outrage you, because those are the things that we generally click on. And so what happens is all you see is more things that outrage you, which makes you again hate the other side even more or things that you already agree with. And so it's, it's important. And this is where it coming back to the, the thing that you mentioned earlier about leading with grace. I, I would say about six to nine months ago was a low point for me towards just the state of our country and the state of our world. Where it was just deeply saddening to look at it and say, how is it that there are some Christians that would post that type of content? How are there Christians that love Jesus that I, I, I know that they have a good heart and that they would 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 buy into that level of vitriol of, of the type of the type of things that would be posted? And it actually flipped a little bit for me over the last three to six months. Where I actually stopped being angry at those people and i stopped being like saddened by like how is it possible and instead it's still been it's still a deep level of sadness but it's more of a deep level of sadness towards the recognition that for the most part folks that are on the extreme polar you know the folks that are on the far 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 right or the far 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 left um they're quite literally they're living in different universes from each other like the facts that they read are different. The news stories that come across their feed are different. The quotes from people that come across their page are different, they're they're, they're literally living in a different universe than each other. And the hard part is if you would ask either one of them, they would acknowledge that that is true. And they would both be deeply convicted in the fact that they're the one that's living in the real world. And that the other side has been completely brainwashed. And that's the real challenge is right now i think there's a a large percentage of our country that feels like the other side has been completely brainwashed and they don't know what's truly happening out there and and then there's a huge chunk of people that are in the middle that have completely detached from politics because they're so frustrated by the whole thing and they're like i just don't even want to deal with any of it i don't even want to deal with any of it and i think that's the challenge right now is that the folks that probably have the best opportunity to reach the folks. That have gone way down the rabbit hole in either direction are actually the folks in the middle that currently are the most disengaged. And that's one of the big motivators for me in writing the books when one of my friends was asking me, like, who do you view as the target audience for this? And it was funny, we were like literally the night before the launch, we were texting, and and he was one of my beta readers. He read it before it ever launched. And he's like, I really enjoyed the book. You know, it really spoke to me in a lot of ways. And I'm not gonna lie, I don't know how well it's gonna sell. I was like, oh geez, wow, okay, all right, thank you for your support. Um, And he laughed, he was like, because I feel like the folks that most need to hear the message aren't gonna buy it. And I laughed because I was like, who do you perceive as most needing to, to, to read it? And his vision was, I think that it's the folks on like those far ends of either side of the political spectrum. And I told him that's the disconnect, is that's not actually who I wrote the book for. You know and now i hope that those people read the book also and i think that I, i've had people in my life that i know for a factor extremely conservative and facts folks that i know for a factor extremely liberal that have reached out to me that have said i just finished the book and it really challenged me in a lot of really good ways and i'm so glad i read it and so that was pretty cool to hear that from both sides of the aisle so it wasn't just a book that was you know pandering to one side and you know and uh that was neat but i told my friend i was like i'm writing this book for the po- for the person that feels that political homelessness like i don't fit in either one of these because those folks are the people that i think can can, can actually go after the hearts of their friends that maybe have been down that political rabbit hole a little bit too long and they can actually get them recentered on jesus because that's not going to happen through social media like we're not going to win over hearts and minds through facebook we're not going to win over hearts and minds um, by a single blog post but if the folks that are that that feel that deep tension of i am so torn and i don't feel like i belong that's a good thing you shouldn't feel like you belong because we don't belong on this earth this is not our ultimate home and like we should not have a messiah that is you know joe biden we should not have a messiah that is donald trump like that is not like that they are not like that is not who we're here to 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 serve and so i think that when we allow ourselves to go down that rabbit hole so deeply that we think that this is the person that is going to turn this country around in either direction that we've already lost. And and that doesn't mean that a person shouldn't really prayerfully consider which one to vote for. Because I think that that is a critical thing to do in a democracy that we have. Like we have to be good citizens. But I would say as a Christian, we need to make sure identity is not tied to that political party and that we are like, come, you know, no matter what, whatever happens, I am voting Democrat, or no matter what happens, I'm voting Republican, because if we do that, we really risk losing our ability to be intellectually honest. We lose our ability to hold accountable um, leaders for actions that are completely counter to the gospel message. And we lose our, our integrity with others in our lives that might not yet know Jesus, because if we're defending indefensible actions, it's impossible to turn around and then say, have you heard about this Jesus character? Have you heard about this guy that could change your life when they see so much opposite of that in the things that we share on social media, in the actions that we defend, in the words that we use? And so I think it's so critical as Christians during this election season that we remember who's we are <laughs> first and foremost, and then act accordingly, um, and, and then try to discern who we're going to vote for accordingly as well.
0: No, I love all that. Uh, I loved I love the Joe Biden and, uh, and Trump little thing they're not our messiah right they're not yeah i mean last time i checked they're not
1: nope nope <laughs> i mean I,
0: I don't know i haven't read the well i've read the bible a few times all the way through i don't read that in there so that's good stuff yeah, yeah. so um so with that let's talk about the actual messiah right yeah. jesus christ the guy from nazareth right he was carpenter's son you know doing all kinds of cool stuff saving saving people you know yeah. raising the dead feeding the five thousand, you know Forgiving the world. The the yeah, I mean, the whole nine, right? But I'm wondering about this because I've always struggled with this as a disciple of Jesus. Notice I didn't say Christian there on, on purpose. And I'm not trying to challenge your words of Christian, by the way. I, I just, oh, I, I don't know. I just, yeah. I just have a hard time with that. Like I said. Anyway, was Jesus political? Your mind, was Jesus political?
1: Oh, man. You know, I think that that is such a challenging that's such a challenging question because of the fact that Jesus did not come in a time of democracy and I think this is one of the challenging parts that we have a tendency to do um, as as disciples of Jesus you know we have a tendency to want to take things that occurred and events that occurred in a completely different culture a completely different context and then assume that they apply directly the way we'd like them to apply today and so I I guess what I would say to that is, Jesus, beyond a shadow of a doubt, was socially extremely active. I mean, his message when he was on earth was care for the poor, care for the marginalized, care for the foreigner, care, like he was so, like when you look at his, when you look at his core message when he was here on earth, it was all about, like, how do we take care of the marginalized in society? That was it. Now, we can debate up and down whether or not that's the role of government, whether that's the role of church, whether that's the role of, of family, whether that's the role of the small town that you, that you live in or the big city. Um, and so I'm not coming to you saying, hey, this is, therefore, this is what Jesus. This is how Jesus would vote.
0: Truly, truly, I say to you, you need to vote this way.
1: Yes, yes. Oh, oh you're no. not saying
0: that? No, oh, no, okay. no. Not and so that's right, the thing on. that...
1: <laughs> and that's the thing that I come back to is that if folks if folks are going to vote this is based on their faith. If someone says, "Listen, I am a I am a follower of Jesus and that is that's that informs how I vote at the ballot box." I would say, "Amen, that's fantastic that your faith cuz your faith should be part of everything in your life. Your faith should absolutely be part of how you cast your ballot." However, I would say then next what issues exactly in the Bible, where did you go to decide which issues should have precedence over others? Because a lot of times when folks say, my faith decides how I vote, I, I I would always like to go back to, okay, well then show me which verses inform your vote. Like I would like to see that because ultimately in my mind, the thing that the Bible is the most clear on because again, it doesn't say, what's the role of government? It, it doesn't. Like Jesus does not. In fact, the one time they tried to corner him and said, hey, listen, like we're going to trap you into making a political statement right now. He looked at the coin and said- Are you talking about when he, he
0: I love that story, by the way. So so let's help the non-Bible people out here. So yeah. they try to trap him. I know this story actually pretty well. So they try to trap him and they said, Jesus, who should we pay taxes to? Mm-hmm. And he said, hand me a denarii or hand me, hand me, basically hand me a coin. And he said, whose inscription is on this? And they the crowd chants Caesar's, and he said, "Render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Render to God what is God's." Is that what you're referring to? Just to help you out.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. My head, by the way. (laughs) No, that's good. And 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 so the one time that they were like, "We want you to make a definitive statement about the role of government and taxes," he deflected. He deflected. He said, "Hey, listen, I am more concerned about you giving to God what is God's." So he didn't deflect in the sense of like, "I'm not going to answer your question." But he said, that's not what I'm about. Like I didn't come here to start a political revolution the way that the the Jew, the Jewish people thought the Messiah coming was going to be a political figure. They thought he was going to come to, to, to create this kingdom on earth. And then Jesus came and was a totally different type of Messiah. He came to to set the captives free, to free us from sin, and to actually create the everlasting kingdom that we could all be a part of. And you know, the Jewish people weren't that excited about that. They were like, wait, no, 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 no. We we can't, we want you we want it now and i think that that parallels what we experience in america right now is we want it now like we we are so desperate for for the kingdom to come <laughs> like we're so desperate for like reconciliation and and there's so many challenges in our world today and we want it now and the unfortunate part is then we try to turn to a political party or a specific leader to find it and it's something that only jesus can can give but I'll say this about the Bible is there's a lot of passages about what to look for in a leader. There's a lot of passages about what makes a wise King. And so that is the thing that whenever Christians who are somewhat apolitical or even like they're very political will come to me and say, so you wrote this book about it. How should I vote? And I was like, I'm not telling you how to vote in terms of Republican or Democrat, but I will say this. I would, I would absolutely encourage every Christian to stop being a straight party voter, because you have put your identity in a party, you have created an idol. Instead, I would say let's go after the individual candidate. Let's actually look at them and say, what does the Bible say about integrity and humility, and 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 all of these characteristics? And on, on the flip side, there's so many verses throughout Proverbs and other places where it's, hey, like, you know, the, the the pride of a leader, you know, before and and. and And the type of words that we use have consequences and over and over again, the Bible talks about how to have, how to have the type of leader that will actually bring glory to these earthly kingdoms. And so, you know, one of the chapters in the book where I talk about, and it it gets people upset sometimes at first when I say this, I found that I haven't gotten that pushback as much when people have read the book because they actually have more context of why I'm saying this. But when I'm just in a casual conversation that I always tell people I would 100% vote for person over platform. And usually what we hear in society is the opposite. It's like, hey, I'm not voting for the person, I'm voting for the platform. And the thing is in politics today, they are one and the same. Words matter, like words of a, especially at the presidential level, um, but really at every level is your words matter and they actually carry real consequence. And I want to make sure that I'm always voting for someone based on their track record, their integrity, their humility, their willingness to work with others, their willingness to actually look for creative solutions to challenging problems, regardless whether they're Republican or Democrat, because I have voted for both over the last 12 years, um, since I had that shift that went from party affiliation to I want to find the best candidate. And since then, I voted for people on both sides. And I'll tell you, it's been so much healthier, Neil, because I no longer have to plug my nose at the actions of, a, of, a, of one person, and then just cast my vote because that's the way I've always voted. And it's made a huge difference. I
0: I just want to add to this because I think this is something we say a lot. I know I've said it. Maybe you've said it. Maybe others in your circle or your sphere have said it, right? Especially the last political cycle. I'm going to vote the lesser of two evils. And I yeah. feel like right now next week when we go to cast our vote, by the way, if you're wondering, I don't know how you could forget this, but November 3rd is Election Day. So we're, we're not necessarily doing a political theme here, but it just kind of seemed to coincide with with this cycle that we're on. And we wanted to give you some information and obviously give Aaron a chance to come on and talk about why it's so important to be informed. And I think I think you would agree with that right? We want informed citizens whether you're right, left, up, down, okay. left way, you know, it doesn't matter. We want people informed. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh, 100%. Okay,
0: perfect. Uh-huh. So, so how do we reconcile that? How do I personally reconcile that and how are you counseling people to reconcile that? Like right now, I'm going to go cast a vote next week. Yeah. And I'm really having to choose the lesser of two evils or if I don't vote for the main candidates, let's say Trump and Biden, those we would agree maybe those are the main two candidates. Yeah. Do I feel like I'm throwing my vote away if I cast a vote for someone else? How do we reconcile that in your opinion?
1: Absolutely, and that's one of the challenging things I think is is that that feeling of I'm not thrilled with either one of these candidates. And I would tell, this is a bit of a side tangent, so I won't go too far down it, but I would say after this election season, I would encourage every single one of your listeners to pick up the phone, call your representative, and tell them that we need ranked choice voting in this country. Ranked choice voting is the way that we can break the cycle of the stranglehold on two political parties and where we have to have this lesser of two evils mindset. It's a beautiful system where you can actually rank first, second, third, fourth, you know, however many candidates there are, And then the person with the least number of votes, if no one has 50%, gets added to the top line. If still no one has 50%, they take the second to last person and redistribute their votes to whoever was second on the list, third on the list. And it's a great way where you don't feel you're throwing away a vote, is you can vote for who you truly want, and then your second place person could be the person you're like, well, if it's not that one, then I at least would rather have this. So sidebar, but I think it's an important thing because we're never going to break this cycle unless we actually go after the system level issues. Now, we can't do that between now and Tuesday. But I'll tell you what, after that, I would encourage all the listeners to go and like lobby your representative for ranked choice voting, because that actually could make a difference. And it already is in place in some states and in, in primaries. So it's not a fringe idea. But I would say that the idea of voting for a lesser of two evils is, so I, I think about the, the the holding of accountable our elected leaders to their actions, to their words, to all of these things that that, that matter. When Jesus walked into the temple and he saw the money changers and he saw all of this sinful behavior happening there, and this was, you know, the Pharisees and Sadducees, like Jesus spent the bulk of his time. Like if you look at what did Jesus talk about the most while on earth, it was caring for the poor, caring for the marginalized, and it was speaking like really harshly towards authority. Right? It was, it was talking about like, like over and over again, woe to you hypocrites. And he talked very strongly. Now, if you were to think about it, Neil, and this is something that I talk about a little bit in the book and one of the chapters, imagine, imagine if we had a lesser two evils mindset, if you were Jesus and his disciples and you walk in the temple and you probably look around and be like, yeah, this isn't great. It's not awesome. There's a lot of, you know, tough stuff going on here, a lot of sinful behavior, but at least it's not Rome. Am I right? like you know i think about like a better I,
0: example maybe it's not sodom and gomorrah
1: right it's, it's not, not sodom and gomorrah it's, it's not, not sodom and
0: gomorrah you know, it's, it's not, not you know,
1: as bad as right whatever as I as.
0: it's not as bad as wearing a duke t-shirt right not yeah <laughs> as bad as that. sorry i had to go back to that
1: yeah but but i think about it and that's not what jesus did he went in and turned over tables like he came and said like that that's not enough and so the hard part about politics is that the tables we are most able to turn over are those with which we most closely align. Like you, if you've always historically voted Republican, you have the best opportunity possible to hold accountable Republican politicians. If you've always voted Democrat, you are the one that you go in and voting for a Republican because you're so fed up, or you as a Republican going and vote for the Democrat has a huge impact. And so often we have a tendency to think that one election cycle is this end all be all like these four years of domestic policy of okay what are they going to do on tax rates who's going to be assigned to the court and the reality is if we look at the long arc of history Neil, like the long arc not the individual four years if we as the american people would just demand better if we would say like no if if someone is acting so counter to everything i believe to be right and good and true that i'm going to vote them out of office whether they're our congressmen our senators our president and we're going to keep voting them out until eventually they do better and we actually demand a higher level of integrity and accountability and actually doing what's right for the american people and i think that that's the important part because when we affiliate with a party then we end up just over and over again casting our ballot for the same people and we don't demand a better a higher level of politics in this country and so when people say lesser of two evils i i guess sometimes i think we have a tendency to that's where we throw up our hands in the air and almost assume that both sides are so broken, so far apart, that I might as well just vote how I've always voted, as opposed to actually saying, all right, how evil are we talking on somebody? Because sometimes it's a one or two issues that we disagree on somebody, and on those one or two issues, we say, based on that alone, based on that alone, I'm going to plug my nose and vote for my side. I'm just gonna vote. I'm just gonna vote Democrats. I've always done it. I'm gonna vote Republicans have always done it based on those couple of issues. Even if everything else from the candidate that we're choosing to support, we can't get behind. And so I think that's the most important thing is to recognize that there are there is such a big difference because that both sides-ism that I hear frequently uttered in this country. And a lot of times in the media, you'll hear it where it's like, well, both sides, you know, Yeah, there's a ton left to be desired on both sides from candidates on both sides. But I think that's where it takes intellectual honesty. I think that's where it takes actually looking like at the true depth of these things, because there's a fundamental difference if we said, hey, we all commit crimes sometimes. But if you just jaywalk and I have murdered someone, those are fundamentally different. Yeah, okay, I guess we all commit crimes sometimes. And sometimes I think we think about politics the same way. It's like, ah, they're all crooks. I fundamentally don't believe that. I've actually known some very good politicians that I think operate with a ton of integrity, people that actually approach politics the right way. And so when we throw up our hands and say everyone's crooked, and we try to throw all of these things that swirl around in the media, and we treat them as if they're equal, when a lot of times they're not. And so I think that's important as well.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love that too. Um, as we kind of start to come to the end here, which I'm, I'm sad to say, because I think we're having a great kind of discussion and, and great education. So, uh, first off, just, just a couple more questions if we can. I want to get to this one. I really feel like right now our country, I've never been in one, but I, well, I've been in a country. That's that's not what I'm saying, but, but I've never <laughs> been in one of these. I've never been in a hurricane. Hmm. Never even been close to a hurricane. But from what I've seen on the Weather Channel, you know, when they always send that reporter out to talk about the hurricane, when the hurricane is like going on right in the midst of it. Right. They got their umbrella and they're like, hey, I'm here, Bill Weatherly, blah, blah, blah. And the gale force winds are 75 miles an hour and, you know, he's getting blown all around. Right. Or it's Susie Weatherly, whatever her name is. Right. I don't know. I just picked random names. again. But my point is, is that they're in the midst of this hurricane and they're trying to have a conversation. They're trying to inform people what's going on. I feel like right now we're in this spiritual, maybe even hurricane political storm. Yeah. And we're yelling at the top. I'm yelling at the top of my lungs saying, think about another person's point of view, this message yeah. of empathy, which our show obviously centers around, right? Cause we're in your shoes, we're in your perspective. We want to get your understanding of things. Right. But I'm yelling this message at the top of my lungs in the midst of a hurricane. Yeah. And I feel like nobody is hearing me and I feel like nobody's listening to me. And so how do we, how do we ignore that and continue to fight the hurricane or, or you know what I mean? Are you following me on that?
1: Totally. Absolutely. And I think that, so for starters, I think you're actually wrong. And I think that not about the hurricane, the hurricane is a perfect analogy, one of the most encouraging things from the moment that the book came out, because I was terrified when I published this thing. Like it's literally, okay, the two topics that you try not to talk about is politics and religion. And hey, let me just combine them together, throw it out there in the middle of a contentious political season and see what happens. And I have been so incredibly encouraged by the feedback of the book because the book is not about the left or the right, It's about identity and it's about Jesus. And it's about getting back to like what we're actually here for. And what I found is that I believe our country is actually starving for that message. And it's not about like the book, like, you know, a listener can go by the book or not by the book. Like I'd spend more time in the Bible before I'd spend time in the book. But I would say that it's a matter of us one-on-one having conversations with people we love and getting it back to Jesus. Because if you're, if you're talking to people about the very real challenges that we face in this country and saying, hey, like, let's let's set aside like our, our personal political agenda, the policy preference I have on, on, on whatever it is. But how can we live out the gospel well? How can we love others as ourselves? How can we bring the love of Jesus to this world in a broken and polarized place? And so the Christians are actually the shining light in the midst of this hurricane that people can look at it and say, holy cow, how are you so calm in the midst of this? How are you like not getting riled up in the midst of this hurricane that we're in? What kind of, how do you have that level of peace? And then you're able to point back to Jesus and say, listen, I I serve someone that is so much greater than any four year span of domestic or international policy. I serve someone that's so much greater than any, any piece of legislation that might pass over the next four years. So yeah, I want to find good solutions, to the challenges that our country faces. I want to find good solutions to these things, but more than anything, I want leaders that are not going to compromise my ability to go after hearts for Christ. And that is my ultimate goal as I cast a ballot next Tuesday, is I want to make sure that whoever I vote for, whoever I, I believe in, that I can spend the next four years talking to people about Jesus. And I don't want my vote to compromise that. And so for me, that, that's my heart going in the election season, Neil. My, my heart is let's let's all calm down a bit. <laughs> let's consciously choose what we take in and what we put out into the world. And let's remember whose we are during this election season. And it's not a Democrat, it's not a Republican. You know, It is a disciple of Jesus. And I think that's the most important thing for us to remember as we go to the ballot box on Tuesday. And, and it's something to prayerfully consider over the course of of making this decision, and afterwards, and afterwards, because there's there's a very good chance, Neil, and I think this is one of the hard parts. Is a lot of us want to think that Tuesday is going to be the end of of this contentious period. It's probably going to be a pretty challenging couple months after. Someone,
0: yeah. Some... And and that's I think that's what I'm most I shouldn't say afraid of or fearful of because you know we shouldn't be fear and trembling, but it just seems like no matter who wins next Tuesday, yep. and we may not even know till. Gosh, Thanksgiving. Who knows? We don't know. Like, wow. I mean, it, it it could, it could. We may even go into January, you know, right before inauguration day, with an idea of who's our president. Right? I mean, it could. I hope it doesn't go that far, but it could. I mean, yeah, very well could. Not, but it could. I, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a prophet by any means. Uh, because if I was, I would, I would be a loser because I picked North Carolina to win the national championship every year in basketball. So <laughs> anyway, that doesn't ever happen. Well. It did in 2009, but anyway, we keep going back to 2009. I don't know why. Um, so, so last question, then I want to play a game with you. That's fun. Cause we want to, we want to end this, but, but last question, how can people get the book besides through our webpage? What is, what is the best way for someone to reach out to you if they want to know more about getting more involved and active in that? Cause it sounds like you're kind of pretty active in that environment. Would you say?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I would say that if someone wants to go, the book is on Amazon, the paperback, the ebook. Uh, you know, I have intentionally kept the ebook at 99 cents the entire time. Like I don't, you know, I'm making 30 cents per copy on it. So I just want as many people as possible to be able to read it. If you want to grab the paperback, even better. Um, and then I on my blog, Aaron Schaefer blog.com, and says so A-A-R-O-N, and then Schaefer is S-C-H-A-F-E-R. Aaron Schaeferblog.com. If you wanted to, you know, submit a comment, you can comment right there through the blog. Um, generally, I try to, you know, blog every couple of weeks or so, and I, w- I would love to have this be a dialogue and not simply a monologue. So that would be the best way for for folks that are listening to grab a copy of the book on Amazon and uh, and following on the blog
0: and the podcast too. Right? I mean, you, do you yeah. talk about a lot of that stuff on the podcast as well?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So Fertile Soil is something that during this whole book launch, so I've had like a season one and it was so fun. Like I, I really, I really enjoyed it. And uh, right now season two is is somewhere on the horizon, but there aren't new episodes being released frequently right now because right now I've been very focused on the book and the blog during this season. And, um, and I, I'm hopeful that early next year I'll get back into a season two. But yes, Fertile Soil podcast, it is much, it's not political at all. Like so Fertile Soil is much more about... Uh, I would say similar to yours in style of stories from individuals and their walk with Jesus surrounding specific topics, things that they have struggled with victories they've won. And so it's all very topical. Um, but I think that, uh, if your listeners enjoyed this episode, then they'll probably enjoy, they'll probably enjoy fertile soil.
0: I enjoyed it. The two you sent yeah. us. I enjoyed it. I dug it. I it as stuff. well. Yeah. It's fun doing a podcast for those that, that, that don't have one. It really is fun. So, uh, so Aaron, thanks so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. And, and I just, um, what would be your last bit of advice for us come next Thursday? Cause I know some States will mail in ballots. Like here in Oregon, we do a mail-in ballot, right? I don't know what you do guys do out in Michigan. I don't know yeah. what you do cause I've never been to the mitten. Uh, yeah. but, uh, but, but what do you, what would be your advice for for next week for someone? No,
1: definitely. First of all, vote, like vote, your vote matters. Like don't, Like so often I think that we, there's this fear that "Ah, I'm just one person, my vote doesn't count, but you know, there is so much power in your vote. Don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. And then secondly, I would say just leading up to it, spend time in the word, spend time in the Bible. Um, Don't spend time watching cable news on either side of the aisle. Don't spend time, you know, consuming nothing but political content, spend time in the word and actually prayerfully asking Jesus what does your word say about leadership what does your word say about what i am supposed to to look for in a leader and then go after it go after the heart of god like go after because he's going to give much better advice than i will and so just spend time in the word spend time meditating upon god's word and asking what does your word tell me about how i should cast my ballot what does your word tell me on on, on both the issues and and the person and if you do that prayerfully consider it, and then go cast your ballot, then you'll be able to do it with full confidence knowing that you're actually walking in step with God's will uh, with your vote and in your life and not just the the will of whichever side of the aisles, uh, political news coverage you happen to lean towards. So that would be my biggest bit of advice. I
0: love it. Love it so much. So, uh, So here's our game we play at the end of every show. It's called Senseless. Oh, I need to show you this.
1: I have a couple of very good friends that if if this video gets posted, they're going to enjoy it even more, but they'll enjoy just the audio because they're hardcore UNC fans, and I never live down every single loss. I wish you
0: were here because you could hold it in your hand. (laughs) Would you hold it in your hand? By the way, we are, of course, our lovingly North Carolina Cup fan of the show. One day, maybe we'll get Roy Williams on, God willing. But anyway, so uh, Senseless, you do know we have five senses, right? yeah okay. just wanted to make sure okay so here's our game senseless gonna roll this out for you and you got a number one you can see that right mm-hmm. there look at that I'm not even lying this time because we have visual proof now so number one is this uh, what or sorry how do you want others to see you
1: oh man Whew. you know the word the season of life i'm in right now i have uh the word that god has put on my heart um over the last few weeks is advocate you know is is just really being someone that advocates for those that might not have a voice you know advocates for um yeah those that can't advocate for themselves and and also simultaneously you know being an advocate for christ in this broken and fallen world that we live in um, so that's that's a word that God put on my heart. Uh, actually, just a little over a week ago that this was a season, you know over these next you know kind of two to three months of just being a fierce advocate. Um, so that that is I would like people to, see, to look at me and see me that way. is you know that's someone that that is advocating for Christ through his life, but also advocating for those who who maybe can't advocate for themselves.
0: I love that. I love the the advocate part because I think right now in our country, we need the chief advocate. Absolutely. That's Jesus, by the way, if you're you're wondering who the chief advocate <laughs> is. For those that are were like, Wait, what does he mean by that chief advocate? Is that a candidate I need to know about? Yes. Yes, it is. He's a uh, he's uh running for king of your life. So let that sit on the table for a second. So uh Aaron again, thank you, man. Thank you so much for coming on, really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This is really fun.
0: Good. I'm glad I always like it when people say that. I'm like, Cool, you had a good time, even though I kinda trashed your team a little bit, but <laughs> but we let, we moved past that. Like, see, we didn't let we that bog it. us down from having a good conversation, really, which is what it's all about. And so that leads into my final thought, guys, is this, is, is there something in the way from you really being able to hear someone's point of view? I want you to know today, I did not allow Aaron's love affair with Michigan State to stand in the way. Of my of me hearing him out. That was really important to take away, guys. Is the fact that every time you stop yourself from having a conversation with somebody just because of their political view or just because of their team preference, you may be missing out on a great opportunity to make a really good friend. Let me be candid here. Guys, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. What I think politically, it does not matter what Aaron thinks politically. It doesn't matter. What matters is you get educated and you go to the polls next week and make a decision. Prayerfully consider this. And guys, I just ask you this. Remember, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. On behalf of executive producer Garrett and myself, Neil Matthews, thank you so much for joining us. And stay tuned until next week when we walk in other people's shoes. Thank you so much for joining us on Other People's Shoes. As you know, I'm your host, Neil Matthews. I want to thank our guest one more time, Aaron, for coming on, sharing his thoughts with us on the political climate that we are in. Guys, if you're interested in, in checking out his book and learning more about him and what he's a part of, I, of course, invite you to check out our website, OPSpodcast.com. Click on Books We Love. And up towards the top there, you will see the Political Homeless Christian. And there, of course, you can click on it and purchase your own copy. Or, of course, check it out on Amazon.com right now. Of course, the Kindle version is on sale right now. And he's making that available now through the end of uh, this week. And, of course, next week being the election day. So, guys, the other thing I would add, just, again, being a good citizen, go out and vote. Get educated. Know who you're voting for. Know why you're voting for him. And make sure you go and do that. So that's my little PSA on voting. I'm done. I promise we're not hopefully going to get too political on this show too much, but, uh, but I did feel due to the election and the timeliness of it. I felt like this episode was something we needed to share with you. So guys, uh, thank you for giving us some moments to share that. Speaking of sharing things, we're going to go out to my favorite neck of the woods, maybe because it's kind of in our neighborhood. Here's a little sneak peek of next week's guest. I remember, wishing my mom would call and apologize oh mom just please call please call she didn't call and I remember sleeping under my the bed at my dad's house like I was scared and I remember had like stuffed animals around me under the bed and thinking mom please call and I remember that freshman little freshman me saying I will never let her do this to me again you know like I was so vulnerable and she never reached out and she called me five days later and later and said that is right we're going out to the great northwest I'm super excited to sit with a fellow podcaster friend of mine fan of the show Meg Gleisner and Meg is going to be talking to us not only about letters from home and what that's involving but her what happened when And guys, uh, I'm going to tell you, it is a heart-wrenching what happened when. So stay tuned for that. That, of course, will take place on Wednesday. OPSpodcast.com, of course, is the home base for us. Everything there you want. Not only our books that we love is there, our contest. By the way, last chance to enter this contest. It's going to happen. We're going to be announcing the winner this Friday. So if you're hearing this after Friday the 30th, you've missed the chance to get your hands on a brand-new pair of Vans. Of course, go to our website right now, OPSpodcast.com. Click on that Connections tab, put in 10K, you are entered to win. And of course, rate us either on iTunes or on Podchaser. And that's your second entry. We're going to be announcing that winner on social media this Friday. So stay tuned for that. So just remember, guys, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. On behalf of executive producer Garrett and myself, Neil Matthews, we of course want to invite you back next week as we try on other people's shoes.